Welcome to the Birmingham Vineyard podcast. We hope you find it insightful and encouraging. If you want to find out more about us, why not check out our website, birminghamvineyard.com. Okay, well, before we get into our message this morning, let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the privilege of opening your word this morning. Ask, Lord, that as we sit around, that we would listen to what you have to say to our hearts, to our lives, to our wills, to our minds. Lord, be with us now. Inspire us by your spirit and speak into our hearts that we will know that we have met with the true and living God when we leave this room today. So thank you for your greatness and your goodness. We ask, Lord, that you would do whatever it is that you want to do, because we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so we're going to have our reading in a minute, but it's great to see everyone here this morning. I joined the Vineyard preaching team in the summer, and since then, I've spoken about anger and death. So it's really great to have this opportunity this morning to talk about love. There you go. (laughs) But in our reading, we'll find that the aspect of love that John is writing about will bring challenges. Or, to put another way, it offers an invitation to us to go much deeper with God. So I'd like to invite Laura who's going to give our reading from 1 John chapter 3. So if you've got Bibles, turn them on. 1 John chapter 3. Um, see what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God. And so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Beloved, we are God's children now. And what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, because we shall see him as he is. And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. Everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. You know that he appeared to take away sins, and in him there is no sin. No one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. Little children, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous, as he is righteous. Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil, For the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning. For God's seed abides in him, and he cannot keep on sinning because he has been born of God. By this, it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. For this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. We should not be like Cain, who was of the evil one, and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil, and his brother's righteous. Do not be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love abides in death. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. 
And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. So our passage this morning is about a transforming love where God meets us in a profound way so that we understand who we are and we move forward with him to become the people he wants us to be and to interact with those around us that he wants us to. This is essentially a synopsis of our passage. John writes about three kinds of change, past, present, and future. First, there is the adoption of the new believer into the family of God. For believers in Jesus, we were people far away from the Lord, but as the Spirit has drawn us close to God, we have, as Paul writes in Romans 10 verse 9, declared with our mouths Jesus is Lord and believed in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, and we are now children of God. So verse 1 in our passage, see what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God, and so we are. In other words, don't doubt it for a second. For believers in Jesus, this change is in the past. But if you've not understood who Jesus is, or you've not trusted in him, or you have questions, please talk to any of the team here. We would love to chat with you. So the first change is the adoption of the believer. Secondly, there is the exchange of our frail mortal bodies for robust resurrection bodies. Verse 2, we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. We look forward to this change because it's in the future. And then finally, there is the ongoing change in our daily lives. This takes place as we allow the Lord to mould us and to shape us. And it's this third type of change, this present change, that John focuses on the most. And so we're going to do the same. But having said that, it really is crucial that we understand that change that happened in the past, our adoption into God's family. That is the foundation for what God wants to do in us and through us now. Up until quite recently, I struggled to recognize God as my father. For various reasons, which we don't need to go into, it seemed to me that the Lord kept his distance and yet was always demanding more. I convinced myself that God didn't really accept me and he loved me only because as God, he didn't have a choice. The Lord has brought me a long way since then. But while we've heard a lot about God's love this month, there may be people here who continue to wrestle with the truth that God is a loving Father. But throughout the Gospel of John and throughout his letters, John writes, God is your Father. 
This is something that he heard from Jesus multiple times. And Paul also knew this reality. He writes in Romans 8, verses 14 and 15, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as children by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Abba is not the name of a distant and mysterious God. Abba is the personal, intimate name of our Heavenly Father. He is the one who cares for us and who longs for us to know him more and more. I heard a story of a young Jewish boy in an airport who had become separated from his parents. He started to run frantically through the crowds of people shouting, Abba, Abba. He kept running and he kept shouting, Abba, Abba. A voice behind him called his name. He turned round and he ran full pelt into the arms of his Abba. We could learn a lot from that little boy. Now, as Jeff reminded us last week, the Bible is clear that God so loved the world. God so loved the world that he did something. He gave his one and only son. God didn't just look down from heaven and shake his head. So God, so, sorry, so love is God the Father actively involved in his world and God the Son stepping down from heaven to be born as a baby, knowing full well that we would nail him to a cross. And because he did this, we can all become children of God. And so as we progress through our passage with this in mind, when we consider that God wants to change us, we can be confident in knowing that because of his great love for us, those changes might be challenging, but they will never be abusive or dreadful or manip manipulative changes. The changes are for our sake and for our benefit. We were all born with a preference to do what is wrong. And over time, we can become quite skilled in doing what is dishonest or immoral or even terrible. Before we meet with Jesus, we might find that we settle for unhealthy relationships. We crave attention or power or wealth. We look for personal meaning and value in all the wrong places. And then all of that means that we can end up carrying a heavy load of mental and emotional baggage. Consequently, when we're born again, God wants to change us. But those changes are neither instant nor inevitable. Although we believe in Jesus, we might continue to hold on to damaging mindsets and destructive habits. But God wants to heal us and lead us into lives of goodness, integrity, and purity in our personal lives, with our families, and with everyone else. For most people, God's work in us isn't always a walk in the park, but a trek in the wilderness. Our old selves like to resurface and pull us backwards. We're tempted to return to our old ways, 
because as harmful as they were, they can be easier to hold on to than fighting our way to freedom. Yet remember, the Father has and is pouring his amazing love into our lives. If we will only accept that love and work with him so that our lives are transformed. Once again, this is the foundation of adoption and why it's so important. We receive God's love and as we revel in that truth, we begin to love him more and more. There's a story in early church tradition of a wealthy merchant who traveled throughout the Mediterranean looking for the Apostle Paul. Finally, he met Timothy, who arranged a visit with Paul, who was at this point in history, in prison. Stepping inside the cell, the merchant was surprised to find a frail older man, but whose contentment and magnetism challenged the visitor. They talked for hours until the merchant left with Paul's blessing. Outside the prison, the amazed man asked, what is the secret of Paul's joy and strength? I've never seen anything like it before. Did you not guess, replied Timothy, Paul is in love. The merchant looked bewildered. In love? Yes, Timothy answered, Paul is in love with Jesus Christ. The merchant looked even more bewildered. Is that all? Smiling, Timothy replied, Sir, that is everything. In our passage, as we move to verse 4, John writes about those who practice sin. This is not referring to those who stumble in doing what's wrong, because we know that we all do that. Daily, in fact, let's be honest, hourly, we make a dog's dinner of things. But that's not who John is thinking of here. If we turn back one chapter to 1 John 2, we have John's recognition of God's children wrestling with sin. When we talk about sin, it's such an archaic word, but there really is no good modern equivalent. So in verse 1, we find, My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. Do you see the wonderful truth in those verses? Don't sin. We're not to sin anymore, full stop. But if you do sin, we have an advocate who speaks up for us. And as it says in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So in our passage in the Greek, it's very clear that what John is doing is talking about those who are driven by lawlessness. It's those who have immoral habits or sinful lifestyles. It's those who knowingly go against God and refuse to listen to the Spirit or their conscience. These people show the same rebellious spirit that the devil showed all the way back before the world was created. In our text, it says, John writes, the devil has been sinning from the beginning. Now, our passage tells us that Jesus appeared for two reasons. First of all, in verse 5, to do away with our sins. Hallelujah! 
Jesus took away our sins. God, you're not very responsive, are you? <laughs> Jesus took away our sins and crushed them on the cross. I much prefer preaching in Pentecostal churches. Anyway, <laughs> it crushed them on the cross. Our sins haven't just been swept under the carpet. Our sins have been overwhelmed by God's grace and mercy. And there's only one person who could have done that. The one who was himself perfect and uncontaminated by sin. And that is why the virgin birth is essential to our salvation. Only a flawless, faultless sacrifice was good enough. Now in Jesus, those who trust and follow him are forgiven their sins and given the power to overcome sin. And then the second reason Jesus appeared, verse 8, was to destroy the works of the devil. Hallelujah. The cross and resurrection brought victory over Satan. And that really is an hallelujah. The decisive battle has been fought and won. But the devil won't quit and is filled with fury because he's, he knows his time is short. Currently, much of the world remains under the influence of evil. I don't need to tell you that we live in a world of hate and injustice and pain. Yet as we allow God to work in us, we can point men, women, and children to a different reality of love and peace and freedom. And this is why God is in the transformation business. He wants to change us. He wants to grow positive attitudes in our lives. He wants to work through us and use us as his change agents to bring life and light and love to our broken and bruised communities, nation and world. Now, someone has written that we are as close to God as we choose to be. In other words, if we want to become like Jesus, we need to be intentional and make every effort to work with the Holy Spirit to change our minds and our hearts. Effort. Mm. That's not really a word we use for our spiritual lives. But as Dallas Willard wrote, grace is not opposed to effort, it's opposed to earning. Earning is an attitude, effort is an action. It does take effort to become like Jesus. It may even mean giving things up. But we gain so much more by giving our daily lives to our faithful Father. Maybe counterintuitively, our effort brings joy and peace. Also in Ephesians 2, 8 to 10, Paul writes, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So we don't do good works so that we will be saved. We're saved by grace through faith so that no one boasts. But we do good works because we are saved. We are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works. And those revolve around love. 
Yet only as we continue to receive our Father's wonderful love are we able to love others with the same energy and generosity. Plus, praise the Lord, God doesn't wait for us to become the finished product before wanting to do all sorts of different things in us and with us and through us. Now, you might be thinking this message isn't very Christmassy. But I didn't choose the passage, first of all. But more importantly, Jesus left the glory and splendor of heaven and was born with the limitations and poverty of Bethlehem to achieve complete cosmic change for every life, every family, every aspect of God's good universe. That's what we celebrate at this time of year. This is revolution and this is radical. It's not just about a baby in a manger, although obviously this is where it all begins. Christ is not just for Christmas, but for every moment of every day. And we need to be willing to change and be changed by our God. In verse 16, we read, Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. So we are children of God, and we need to show the family likeness. We do good to all, even to those who maybe deserve the opposite. In John's Gospel, he writes in chapter 13, Jesus essentially saying, Everyone will know that you are my disciples. Because of your worship? No. Because of your theology? Definitely not. Because of your church activities? No. Because of your love, yes. That's how people will know that you are my disciples. In verse 17, John gets really practical, although he's just giving us one example of how to love one another. He writes, whoever has something, sees their brother or sister in need and does nothing, has not understood God's love. A Phil Gresham paraphrase, how can we say that we love God who we can't see and not love people who are right under our noses? But of course, love isn't always easy or straightforward. If we back up slightly to verse 13, do not be surprised, my brothers and sisters, that the world hates you. There can be and often is friction between those who follow Christ and those who don't. This might be expressed in countless ways and come from family or from colleagues or from friends. And maybe you can think of examples from your own experience where this has been true. In those times, it's hard to love. But remember, God, who loves us without limits, is with us all the time. Emmanuel. And then finally, we get to verse 18. Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. Basically, we are to show that there's a different way of doing life. This is our calling, to live in the truth that God is real, God is awesome, and God is active in us, in others, and in his world. So when we're adopted into God's family... Our Father wants to bring change into our lives. 
Those changes need to be deep and they need to be radical. And so a few questions just to finish. Do you realize how much God loves and delights in you? If you were to give God a gift this Christmas, why not give him more of you? Maybe more of your heart or your time or whatever God is asking of you. Is the love of God at work in your life? Is it demonstrated by how you treat the people around you, whoever they may be? So for any of those things, or of course anything else, we would love to pray for you. But before that, let's take a pause for a moment. We hope you enjoyed the talk and found it helpful. Why not come along and visit us? We gather at three services across two sites on a Sunday and meet during the week in small groups across the city. More information on both of these can be found on our website. Thanks for listening and God bless.